Hello, friends. Welcome to the second episode of the More or Less with ANS podcast. Hi. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the raid, which we mentioned in the first episode. Um. So, yeah. Hope you guys enjoy. There's just, like, some things that we want to cover, and there was, like, a lot of questions on the raid. Mostly on Sarah's account, because she was in it. Um, I was never in it, personally. I only, like, saw it from the other end while I was in hiding. Alright, so I guess we'll just get right into it. So, when I was five years old, we lived in Texas on the land of refuge. Um... It was kind of around the San Antonio area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was clear out where no one could see. We had a big white... Well, at the time it was a green gate because we hadn't gotten it redone. But the temple had just got put up. So from the green gate, you can see the temple. Like, clear down in the middle of the land. But it is quite tall, so you can see it pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty visible. Anyways... So, that was one thing we were worried about because people weren't supposed to see our temple, I guess. It was like it was a sacred, sacred yeah. yeah. Considered very sacred. Yeah. So, anyways, um, we had just finished with, like, lunch or something. I can't remember exactly what meal it was. When um, some of the priesthood men, as you can call them, um, came knocking on our door and told one of the oldest boys, because he was, like, the priesthood holder of our house, um, that there was people surrounding the entire ranch, like, the entire YFC ranch. So, we were scared, of course, obviously, because they're, like, Gentiles, and I had never even seen, like, a supposed Gentile before, so it was it was scary to me and I was actually excited because something new and big was happening and kind of along with all of my other siblings. So later in the day then I remember sitting by the window and looking down towards what we call the meeting house. If you go on my TikTok then I have videos on there explaining and showing like what the meeting house and our house looked like and how they were situated. Anyways, it was a it was one of those windows that was facing the meeting house. And there was so many cars in the parking lot, like, on the sides of the roads, everywhere. And they were all, like, military, um, SWAT, police, um, Texas Rangers, like, everything you can think of. And there was also, like, tanks and stuff. But they hadn't brought, like, I think they only brought, like, one or two of those in. And then later we found out there was, like, snipers up on the hills, like, in the rocks and stuff. So, that was big. And they also have, we also have pictures of those. But, it's kind of crazy when you look at them. Anyways, so they were originally told that there was this person being, like, molested and raped. And her name was Sarah Jessup Barlow. So, the Sarah Jessup Barlow was actually just a random woman calling from Colorado. She was being paid to do these calls, and she would just call and make it sound like she was being abused. She had, she wasn't even ex-FLDS or anything. And so, finally, and then she would just hang up right in the middle just so they couldn't get her location or anything. 
just so, and then she would always tell them something about the Texas ranch. Just enough for them to have the evidence or something to raid yeah, the place. Like, almost like she had been tipped off or something. Yeah. She was definitely being paid for. And, like, in the FLDS documentaries, it explains more. But um, they did end up arresting her for false police calls. But, yeah. So that's basically what started the FLDS raid. Anyways, so then they came on the land. I can't remember if they did it by force or if, like, they ended up just letting them in. But... I'm, well, the only thing they broke in by Porsche was, like, the temple, right? Yeah. Anyways, so, down at the meeting house, and they were questioning all the Sarahs to try to get the Sarah Justin Barlow, supposedly. It didn't even exist. Yeah, so she didn't exist on that land. So, after they couldn't find her living, then they were searching for graves. And... So they brought in the grave dogs, like the body, the dogs that sniff for dead bodies and stuff to find unmarked graves, anything that would lead to this person, supposedly Sarah Jessup Barlow. Um, yeah, so they never, I think they found a grave, but it was of a baby that was stillborn and they hadn't marked it yet, I think, because the baby wasn't named. So, yeah, I think that was, I think there was, like, two or three of those up in the graveyard. And so they kind of, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how they handled that. But, anyways, so they took all the girls that they had questioned overnight. And, like, they were the first ones to go in the buses away to this new place to be questioned further. And we didn't know where they were going. And they were all, like, crying. And we could, like, feel it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyways. um, I had no idea what was going on. But the mothers and, like, my mother specifically would, like, explain more the, the more information we got. Anyways. um, We were told that they were coming around to the houses to look for Sarah Jessica Barlow. And... So we all just sat in the living room and sang hymns until they finally broke in. And there's actually some videos that we have of them breaking into our house and saying, like, please open up. Like, if you don't open the door right now, we'll, like, yeah, break it down. I can't remember if, like, the person opened it or not. But yeah. basically they came down to our living room and we were all sitting there singing when they opened, like, the big white doors. And... One of the guys in there, one of, like, the priesthood heads, he wasn't a part of the family or anything, but because my father was in prison, then he had to, like, be there for us, like I guess. He was the caretaker. Yeah. He was kind of, like, the caretaker. Anyways, um, he stood up and was like, we demand a lawyer. And so then everybody, like, looked at him and they were like, we demand a lawyer. And we also have, like, footage of that. But... Yeah, so we just basically said that several times, and all the kids were like, we demand a lawyer, and we stand on the fifth. Yeah, that's what they told us. <laughs> and to no idea what that meant. But, so yeah, um, they came in, big, 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 long speech about how they needed to take the children, they needed to question them separately, and if the mothers wanted to come, they could, 
but they did not say that until the mothers protested like a lot and they're like fine like if you want to come you can we'll just keep the kids overnight you know and then we'll return you but only the kids mothers could go but the problem was there was a lot of mothers that were under the age of 18 like a lot especially at the <clears throat> 2008 time i guess just because father had been put in prison just two years earlier, so there was still a lot of underaged mothers. So they just classified them as kids and were like, where's your mom? But they were like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so they were like, okay, get like your kids, the mothers that are that specific child's mom. And we're going to go on the, like load you on the school buses. So, mom's like, okay, we need to go get your guys' shoes because, I mean, yeah, we need to choose to go outside. It's Texas. Our feet were going to, like, burn up and, yeah. Anyways, so we walk into our dining room, which was empty because everybody was in the living room and, like, in panic, basically. And we open, like, the dining room door that leads onto one of the decks. It's, like, the front deck. And that's basically where all the kids just kicked off their shoes and left them by the door before they came in to eat. So, we walked in there and mom was like, Wendell, go, go get your shoes, you know, because we were looking for them. Couldn't find them. And he was out on the deck, the door was open, and honestly, this officer comes running through the kitchen and into the dining room. And just, he was just like yelling. And he's like, close that door, close that door. And I was just like hid behind mom's skirt because I was terrified. And so he was like, if, do you realize these guys are given orders to shoot you, shoot whoever, like, comes out of the house without, um, uh, what is it called? An escort. Yeah. That's what it's called. But Wendell was so short, like, he was, he wasn't really short for a seven-year-old, but he was short enough that the railing, like, only went barely below his head, so they didn't really see him. And so they, like... He slammed the door and, like, kept his hand on it. And Mom was like, okay, okay, okay. And his shoes weren't even out there. Anyway, so we went to the next deck, and they were just rushed us along. They were like, you know what, just get in there. So Wendell went without shoes. Wendell's my brother, if you didn't know. Um, <clears throat> and another lady was like, like, one of the attorneys or someone. No, she wasn't one of the attorneys. One of the CPS was like, you know what? I'll just take him to get his shoes. Mom was super skeptical about that. She, yeah, she was not about to let her son go with some Gentile yeah, woman. The CPS was everything that they, like, warned about. Yeah. Like, like, all the evil that they had warned about. Like, all the outside people who <clears throat> were, like, child protective services, cops, police, anything that, like, yeah. would intrude on... Yeah. FLDS property was considered... Ugh. Basically, yeah, all Gentiles. Everybody was considered evil. Anyways, um... So, finally, Mom was just like, Okay, just hurry, go get your shoes. And we did end up being on the same bus. And we just brought hymn books with us and just sang hymns while we, like, were driven off the land. And some people were crying... But then mom reminded us that father said to smile and wave and to let the, like, the children see you, like, be happy while they were going, I guess. So, like, all the mothers that did not have children, they were lined up outside and they were just, like, smiling and waving. 
So, yeah, if you see that picture, that's why. <laughs> that's why they're all happy. It was because father told us to be. So, he drove us off the land. I think we went to the stables or Fort Concho. I can't remember. There was, like, two different ones because there were so many people. And we just, they put us up on cots. And I'm not going to lie, their service was actually great. Like, they would ask us what we normally ate because they wanted to make us comfortable. But obviously, we were not used to that. So, it was really strange. But, so the stables were actually what was built in, like, the Civil War. But they were just, like, kind of kept up, I guess, for, like, historic reasons but there was an overflow because it's 400 mothers and children so they had to like I don't know improvise for a minute I guess yeah. and then we stayed in that for like two weeks I remember one time there was a tornado and they were like put your heads down put your heads under pillows because the stables were so rickety and there was like water coming through the roof so not me I was so excited to see this tornado it was like the second tornado I had been through, but it was so cool when big storms happened and all the kids would like run outside. So I just unburied myself from the pillows and ran outside, flew open the door and it just banged against the wall. And the eating tent was just basically off the ground and it was huge tent. So that was scary. The porta pots were like blown around in the air. And then this like guy with white hair, he like slams the door and I ran back and put my head under the pillow like I was originally supposed to. Anyways, um, so after the stables and Fort Concho, which we were at at the same time, like there was two different groups of people, one was at the stables, one was at Fort Concho, then we were moved to the Coliseum, which was where they do like elephant shows and all these, you know, these really cool shows, but we lived on the floor. Like the bleachers were a no-go, like no matter what. The only people we ever saw in the bleachers were attorneys, and that's when people would, like, attorneys got to escort their, like, what is it called? <laughs> Clients up into the bleachers yeah. to, like, speak with them, which was, like, FLDS people. Um, My mom was, like, talking to her attorney one time up there. But we were at the Coliseum for a little while. I can't remember how long. I'm just gonna be safe and say, like, two, three weeks, and every morning at five o'clock, then the lights would flip on, like, bright, bright, bright lights, because they had asked someone how early we got up, and the time was, you know, naturally 5 a.m., so they flipped all the lights on, so everybody, all the babies, everybody woke up, and they would bring in these huge, like, gray bins of oatmeal, it was, like, in blocks. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but they really did a lot for us. Like, every day, a Cisco truck would come in full of food. Like, they took care of us very well, but it's not that hard. I mean, it's not that easy to take care of that many people. So, I understand why a lot of things were not the best, I guess. Oh, back up to the stables is when they took all the phones away. And mom hid hers in a wall. Some hid theirs in, like, nylon boxes in the freezer. Just really weird places where they wouldn't find them. And we had to go through, like, five metal detectors to make sure there were no phones or devices on us. Um, yeah, sorry, I just, like, forgot that part. 
so yeah, just keep that in mind. Nobody had phones. Mom did because she kept it, and the only time she could talk in the on the phone was like in the shower trailer, and she would just talk on the phone. Or sometimes the laundry ladies wouldn't tell, and she would just like go behind the laundry station, I guess. Anyways, um, so yeah, we lived at the Coliseum for a while, and there was this lady every night that would come up to me and be like, hi, honey, do you want to hear a story? And I was, like, so excited, and I'd be like, yeah. I'm pretty sure she's the one that gave me my first teddy bear ever. And so I was, like, super excited about that. And keep in mind that all the kids were so, so sick because we had never had processed food or anything like that. It was all homegrown, homemade. So all this, like, corn dogs and stuff that they would give us, gave us like a bad sickness anyways so she would come up to me <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> and she would be like do you want to hear a story and I would say you know of course and mom was kind of skeptical at first but she seemed really nice and so she was like you know what just go ahead like mama's sitting right there everything goes okay and so she she would tell me a story every night until one night, then mom's attorney said, be careful. Usually, when they're going to take the kids away, then that person that is planning on taking the kid away will, like, get really comfortable with the kid and let the kid get comfortable with them. So, mom was freaked out about this. She knew that they were going to take the kids before they even, like, took them. Anyways, so it's like, after that night... Okay, here's just, like, a little fun fact... So every night when the lights went off, then the kids would play tag with flashlights on the ceiling for hours. Like, it's a big dome ceiling. We had, like, these little flashlights that had little, um, I can't remember, like, lasers or just really, like, skinny beams. But, yeah, that's, that's just one of the fun things I remember. Also, I forgot to mention this, but, so, you know how previously I mentioned how they took the kids to question them. So yeah, they had us for hours just sitting on this chair in front of this person and they were recording and writing down everything we said. And they kept trying to say, who's your father? Who's your father? You know, they would say, who's your mother? So I'd say Vicki Nelson Jeffs. And they were like, who's your father? And you would say, stand on the fifth. I stand on the fifth or I demand a lawyer. And because all the kids were so stubborn, it took so freaking long. And, like, to question all the underage mothers, that was a big deal. So, I'm assuming that's why <clears throat> we stayed in, like, the stables for Concho and the Coliseum and the Civic Center. Sorry, I forgot that's another one we lived in for, like, so long. Anyways, um, I'm hoping I got all those places, like, in correct order. I'm sure I didn't, but <laughs> we'll worry about that later. Anyways, so, the next day skipping up to when the kids were taken away, then, um, they told the kids that your moms are just going to come in this room and we need to have a meeting with them. And the way they told them was super, like, they told, told them so that they would believe, you know, like, persuasive. yeah, very, very persuasive, but a huge lie. Like, there is better ways to deal with it. And earlier that day, then at least 300 military police like personnel had come in 
and just stood around the building with their arms like crossed in front of them and so we were like okay this is really strange anyways so they went in the other room and from mom's side of the story then there was a lot of people like there was a lot of police like guarding the doors doors and like everything so on our side we were just like oh you know let's have fun they gave us chalk <laughs> and all down the aisles we were we want to go home you know like kind of some nasty words that we didn't know were nasty and they just were like immediately mopped it up and took our chalks away because <laughs> we were kind of like naughty but anyways and then they're like yeah um mom i'm not sure uh, hold on i have to think about this for a second um so they kept the mothers in there for a little while and um Oh, I'm trying to get this accurate, like, 100%. So, I think that they, like, opened these garage doors on the other side, like, of that building, of that room that the moms were in. And they were like, okay, you guys need to go. The police were going to, like, usher them out. Um, somehow, mom got back with us. Because I remember, like, under the cot, the me and... Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, so mom did get back with us, and I think the moms kind of got to say bye. And then, that's when they took us away. So, this guy comes up and basically just, like, scoops me up out of, you know, mom's arms, because she was, like, just hugging me. And mom just held on to me, and I was, like, screaming and crying. And then all at the same time, you could, like, hear, <clears throat> you could hear, like, 400 mothers and children just screaming throughout the building, because... Their babies were being taken away. Just all the kids were being taken away from their mothers. The only way they could stay is if they were, like, under a year, I'm guessing. Yeah. But some of the kids who were still a year were still nursing. So, those are the kids who, like, almost died. Anyways, so, I was screaming and crying. Um, this lady comes and, like, took Wendell's hand and was, like, attempting to take him away from mom, like, peacefully. And he just, like, ripped out of her grip and, like, went and, hang, like, hung around her waist. And she was just bawling now. And, um, there, then there was this guy that came up by mom. And he was, like, really big. And he was, like, a CPS worker. I can't remember if he was a CPS worker. Like, not big as in, like, chubby. Just, like, tall and muscular. Just built. Yeah. The kind of, no, we're not going to go there. Um... <laughs> And he was like, you know, just go quietly or there's going to be, like, this big deal, you know. So she was trying to just, like, show her kids, show us, like, a smile before we went just to give us some peace. And she knew that she could literally do nothing about that. Like, about the fact that we were being taken away from her. But she did fight. Like, Wendell, in the end, had to be pried away by three ladies and they held him down on a cot and he was, like kicking and screaming and I was kicking and screaming in this guy's arms and mom passed Wendell she told me this like she passed Wendell and his eyes just like had the most sad like they were full of tears and his like arms and legs were just being like held down by these people that he had never even seen in his life anyways that lady that had told me stories came and got me and I was like, oh, hi, but then, you know, realizing that my mom is still going away, 
like went insane again anyways so they took mom mom was so so pissed that she just started yelling at the guy and he was like pushing her back basically out of the building so they kept us in the coliseum just as kids and for just that night I think they ended up having to sedate me. I'm not sure if they did Wendell. But they would give us, like, these little juice or, like, suckers because we were, like, fighting. They sedated a lot of the kids to just finally take them away. And I woke up on a bus. So we were, like, driving to our shelter. And right before Mom, like, right before we were taken, then Mom said to Wendell, no matter what, keep Sarah with you. And he, she made him promise that, even though he was just seven years old and I was five years old. <clears throat> and so he had fought because they were going to take him to a boys-only shelter, but he had fought to stay with me. So they kept him there for now, and we all went to this place, and they were like, okay, we're going home. This is your new home now. Like, it's a place just like your home. So I was, you know hardly being lied to in my life that I knew of I totally expected home and we get to this place with big metal doors and like bars on the front doors and the back doors you know so the kids couldn't go out and it was like the Waco shelter there was extra security because we were naughty and would run away as kids will do when they're taken away from their parents who love them (laughs) and yeah, so we stayed there for a little while. It was really hard. We had, I remember, I had nightmares most of those nights. And we all had, like, bunk beds. There was, like, four bunk beds per, like, room. And it was just boys and girls mixed together, which was really weird for us. But at least me and my brother got to sleep in the same room. He's, I slept on the bo- top bunk. He slept on the bottom. And we had black blankets. I remember that very clearly. And... I remember our bathroom, it has this cubby hole that you could, like, shut the grate and you wouldn't see it when you went into the bathroom. So one time I went into the bathroom and I was using it, using it, and then, like, I heard this noise. I was like, why is that? Really, really scared because, you know, of everything that had just happened. And it was someone that was in the cubby. And I was like, didn't even know until, like, after I had been bathed and everything, which was really weird. Anyways, this was like the first time of a Gentile trying to bathe me, and I was like, oh, hell no, you are not seeing me naked, and we were also taught that bubble baths were a bad thing, so I fought, and by fight, I mean like two people had to hold me down, because I remember hanging upside down in the air, and I was just screaming, like, I will not take a bubble bath, I will not take a bubble bath, like, why? They're fun. I don't know. (laughs) Probably because they were fun that we weren't allowed to have bubble baths. But, yeah, I was just told in the beginning that they were bad. So, no bubble baths. Anyways, I had a lot of nightmares. Um, Wendell would climb up in my bed to comfort me, and he would just hug me. And then after two weeks, then, we finally were granted visits with our mom. And she would, we would, like, drive to this, like, visiting place. And she would, like... The first time she saw me, like, I was in shoes that were, like, two sizes too big for me. None of my clothes fit. They were huge on me. And my hair was just ratted and all over the place, which, especially for an FLDS person, is 
crazy, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I really did look awful. And she was just crying and she did my hair and she was like teaching Wendell some stuff how to read. And um, I remember during that visit then she was calling all around to see if Wendell could go to his doctor's appointment because um, a year earlier he had gotten this really rare disease called Guillain-Barre and it like starts at your fingertips, your toes, and it goes clear to your like main organs and basically shuts everything down. So it took him an hour to get up the stairs and he was like, mom, I'm big, I'm big, I can like shower by myself. Um, she went in there like a half hour later and he was just laying on the toilet. He couldn't move at all. So that's when they knew he got to go to the hospital. So basically he had been out of that for a year and they had to do extensive like physical therapy and he can now walk, but he could only keep walking like even at all with like therapy. So yeah, she would be like on the phone trying to figure out his doctor's appointments, but they ended up not letting him go to one of those the entire time, which like forever affected him. And he can't like walk completely normal now. Like his feet are completely flat. He has these really wide, like right after your toes, you know how there's like those two bumps. I can't remember what they're called. What are they called? Bunions. And like his feet are really wide now. So like the shoes are, I don't know, strange. He had had to have leg braces forever. Anyways, that's all because of the raid. So, yeah, so he'd be in a lot of pain and trying to figure that out, but they just wouldn't let him go to the appointments. So mom was trying to figure that out during the first visit. So then after like an hour visit, then we go back to the place, like the children's shelter. And we actually have a picture of that because they were putting us in this van and I was like, but aren't we going to go home with you, mom? And she was like, no, you got to go with these guys, you know, because she didn't want it to be any bigger of a deal than it already was, like with her and everything. And right as the door shut and I was just like crying. Then she like caught this picture of me and I was like, forever remember that because I thought that I was going to get to go home with mom and they were like taking me away again, like all over. It was happening again. So they took us back and... Basically, they were rewarding us every time we did good with toys, but again, no toys in the FLDS, so we didn't care. We just wanted to, like, get outside, play, like, tag. We wanted to play games like that. Um, we wanted to run around, but the yard was very small and, like, directly in the sun, and there was, like, a big, huge grassy area around it, so we would try to go out there, and then... They all told us, like, if you go out there, like, the staff told us, if you go out there, then this is, like, poison ivy and these really poisonous plants that will, like, kill you, basically. But now that I think about it, I remember, like, they would give us, like, these bouncy balls, and sometimes they would go down there, and they would walk down there perfectly fine and pull them out. So, that got suspicious. <laughs> and then, like, probably on the second, third week... Then something happened. I can't remember. Oh, so they switched the boys and girls. So boys were top floor, girls were bottom floor. And that was a big deal to me. Um, and so I snuck up there. 
and sat by the door and we would just knock on the bottom of the door, what me and one of my like girlfriends there, to see our brothers. But they caught us, so I like, ran outside and there was like this little sidewalk thing like that dropped off and went into a flower bed. So I just jumped off that, me and one of the little boys that had gotten out of their like the upstairs, the locked upstairs door. And we just hid there. And they ran around the house looking for us, like, calling our names and chasing after us. But we were, like, right tucked into this little thing, so they couldn't see us. And they, then they came back running around the house and caught us, obviously. And so we were in big trouble. We got to sit on timeout for two hours. And my brother was really, really pissed about that, so he came out of his, like, his door upstairs. They had, like, a deck. And he just, like, was throwing the staff's chairs off and breaking them. Yeah, he also got time out for that. But, yeah, that was just some of the memories I have. I have a lot more, obviously, but, um, so I think it was, like, a month, or, no, it was two months after the children were taken that they got returned. So we had four visits with mom between then, um... Yeah, so we did, and then the fourth visit was when we were returned to mom. Um, yeah, that was a really, that was a great visit, honestly, because we didn't know, actually, they had told us, they are like, bye, come back soon, you know, the staff, obviously, they were so glad to get rid of us, but, um, we just waiting for people to pick us up, and we were like, we'll never return, you know, saying a bunch of snotty words, Obviously not swear words because we didn't even know this existed. But yeah. Um then we were returned home. It was chaos after that. Everything was just weird. People were still trying to take me from mom. There was this my um what is it called? Like a child's attorney. I can't remember what it's called. But she was trying to like get me into her own custody and she was like, Yeah, I've already started the college fund for her. But, yeah, mom was fighting to keep me. Which she did, because there was no abuse. She wasn't married underage. And I guess that just made everything a lot easier for us, because my mom was married at 19. Like, right after she turned 19. So, yeah, that just made it a lot simpler, I guess. But right after that, we were sent into hiding. Like, deep hiding, because father was like, now the Gentiles are out to kill you guys. So, yeah. That The raid honestly made a lot of things worse, a lot of trauma, so yeah, please never, please don't credit Sarah Jessup Barlow. It may have been good because they found a lot of evidence and stuff, but that is the only good thing that like came from that. Yeah, since Warren was already convicted. Yeah, he was already convicted, and like the evidence did get him for longer, but there even now evidence is coming in that would put him in prison for longer and longer, but yeah. he's basically just gonna die in there. So. Yeah, wasn't he already, um, like, convicted for life? Oh, yeah. Before the raid? I think it was life. I can't because remember who he was charged as, like, Utah's highest crime or something, like, yeah, rape as an something. accomplice. Well, that's the thing is, is I'm not sure <clears throat> that they had found him yet. But, oh. yeah, the reason he got that long in jail was because he would not comply with the like with the yeah. attorneys and stuff and then they found all this evidence and it's like okay we'll just like put him away for a while because he's a danger to himself and others so yeah 
yeah. Also, one thing I forgot to mention is they did break into our temple, and a lot of the men standing around it were, like, told to guard it with their lives, but they eventually just broke into it, and it was, like, the saddest moment to us when we were in the Colosseum, and I remember kneeling in circles and praying for hours till our knees were, like, felt like they were bloody, and there would just be, like, puddles of tears because everybody was crying because we were told that was an awful thing, but yeah, um, that was basically the majority of the raid story. I do still have some, like, to tell, but yeah, I would have to go really deep into it. Anyways, um, yeah, Amber, anything? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, now since Sarah has told her whole story, mine sounds like blah, like, no, but it's it's good to know, um, like, both sides. Yeah, but, like, on the other side, for me, it wasn't really, like, it wasn't really traumatizing. It was, like, a big deal. I guess, I don't know. It was probably different for people who were living, like, in Colorado City, but I was in Las Vegas hiding at the time because apparently um, my stepdad had a lot to do with Warren, and he... Yeah, I think they had a, something for out a warrant for his arrest at that time yeah and so supposedly if they caught like my stepdad then they could get warren too or something evidence would lead to him probably like we went in to hiding basically right after warren got put in jail so like the beginning of 2007 or something i don't remember but i was like three at the time and then until i was seven we lived in hiding but basically when the raid happened it was a big deal we got like reports about it and we were all removed from our house of hiding. We were, like, put in a different house because supposedly we were, like, they thought that maybe the Gentiles could get us too. And we were also told the same thing that Sarah was told, like, the, I stand on the fifth thing or I want a lawyer just in case that they came. And, um, yeah, so it was just, it was weird. Um, like, a few weeks later or days, I don't remember, we got, like, a bunch of videos of, like, what happened on the ranch, like, the raid videos. I'm pretty sure it was, like, actually a month later. Yeah, so there's, like, a bunch of slideshows that we made, like, our family made. A couple other families, like, pitched in and gave their pictures and stuff. Um, if you want to see them, one of them is called Meant to Be Together, like, FLDS raid slideshow, I guess, if yeah, that's on YouTube. YouTube. on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, it gets me now. It may just be, like, the experience and stuff, but it might, it might affect you. But yeah, <laughs> So it was, like, people from the, people from Colorado City are the ones that, like, kind of put those slideshows together, but also, yeah. Um, so we watched those, and I remember being, like, really sad, and we were, like, all praying and, like, being solemn and quiet, but it wasn't really, like, much more than that for me, just because, you know, I wasn't the one being taken away. Yeah. That's the first time Amber technically saw me, because I'm in those videos a lot. Yeah, so that's the weird thing, is, like, when I finally met Sarah, and, like, we saw, I saw, like, her childhood pictures, I was like, oh my gosh, you're, like, famous in my mind. Because, like, I saw them, um, I saw, like, all those childhood pictures in the raid videos. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, um, pretty much the gist of this raid, uh, episode. Yeah, I hope that I was clear enough that you guys can, like, understand everything I was trying to say. If not, you can just ask questions or, yeah, just DM us on our Instagram, the podcast Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) basically. So, um, whatever you guys want us to, to, like, talk about in our next episode, then you can just give suggestions or whatever. 
and maybe we'll answer your questions too and we will be posting episodes like bi-weekly yeah so so not next wednesday but the wednesday after this yeah like by the time you guys listen to this i'm pretty sure this will be posted july 27th yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so our next whoa sorry that was a crunchy (laughs) water bottle um our next episode will be coming out sometime in august i don't know the exact date (laughs) yeah okay well love you guys Yeah, and we will see you in the next one. Well, you'll hear us in the next one. Okay, bye. (laughs)